This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh, and in this episode, I'm joined by both Jacqueline Soler and Charles Hinshaw as we continue to look back on movies released in 1999 and discuss how they stand up 20 years on. Seventh in this series is The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. I'm here with both Jacqueline Solar and Charles Henshaw, our two regular contributors on movies once again, and we are continuing our second series of retrospective film segments looking back on movies from 20 years ago in 1999, re-examining them in the context of today to discuss how they've stood up to the test of time. Thank you both for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. So far in this series, we've discussed American Beauty, Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, American Movie, The Matrix, and The Iron Giant. Now, the seventh film we're discussing is The Blair Witch Project. Directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez, the movie presents itself as a documentary pieced together from video, 16mm film, and audio discovered in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, one year after three film students disappeared there while attempting to make a film about a local legend known as the Blair Witch, who supposedly haunts the area. The film as presented follows Heather, Josh, and Mike as they first speak to citizens of the town about the legend, then trek into the woods to find evidence of the witch. Each night, they're confronted with increasingly bizarre occurrences outside their campsite, and each day they become more and more unsure of their path forward until they're both completely lost and at odds with each other. The film premiered at Sundance in January of 1999, before being released commercially on July 14th later that year. In advance of the opening, the filmmakers mounted a marketing campaign that called into question whether the events and circumstances depicted in the movie were actually real or contrived. This campaign, in conjunction with the film's website, were largely credited with the cultural and financial success it earned at the time, resulting in a movie with a budget of only $60,000, ultimately earning more than $248 million at the box office. The critical response was largely positive, though not unanimous, with most of the negative responses seeming to hinge largely on considering the premise of the film some version of gimmicky. In terms of awards, the film garnered what I would personally call a strange or interesting mix of nominations or wins from groups focused on either independent or popular films, which perhaps speaks to its crossover status. And of course, I think it's safe to say The Blur Witch Project is pretty generally considered to have popularized the concept of the found footage film, which has been done in various ways since then. So, Jackie and Chuck, did you see this when it came out, or had you seen it before watching it this time? I didn't see it when it came out, but I remember my sister went and saw it and was very affected by it, and in some ways that was kind of like having an experience with it without having seen it um, at the time. So did you see it before now? Yes, I have seen it before now. Okay. Uh, I think maybe twice. Okay. On video? Yeah. I remember when this movie came out and how people said they got really sick after watching it because of all the handheld. But I don't think I've seen it in theaters. I I remember watching it um, with a couple of friends, like probably on VHS, and being like, this is what everyone was so scared about. Like, I I remember thinking it was kind of boring. Okay. 
<laughs> so I saw it in theaters when it opened, and I particularly remember that my college roommate was able to see it before me. He saw it in an advanced screening well before it came out, and he was really talking it up, which was sort of mixed for me because I didn't always agree with his taste in movies. Mm. So I wasn't really sure what to expect. But then I think between him and the marketing campaign that ramped up around it, I was looking forward to it quite a bit. But it was kind of crazy that at the time, it seemed weird that I heard about it in this weird particular way from a roommate who happened to see a screening of it at college. And then uh, it just like took over the culture for a minute there in the like late uh, spring, early summer. And was just like, even in the midst of like the Phantom Menace coming out, mm -hmm. there was still enough room in the culture to just everyone be obsessed with this thing coming yeah. out too, which is kind of crazy. I have a memory suddenly mm -hmm. of uh, Cartoon Network ran a 24-hour Scooby-Doo marathon, <laughs> and all of their bumpers were the Scooby-Doo people doing a Blair Witch thing. Yeah. Oh, really? It was all about, like, surrounded about the Blair Witch. But, like, for kids, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, Like, it's a yeah, parody. Right, yeah. it was a parody. But the thing, the fact that they would mimic this movie that probably the large portion of their audience had not seen mm -hmm. sort of speaks to its cultural impact, I think, at the time. Right. I remember thinking that this movie was real and then being very disappointed when the three actors showed up at the MTV Movie Awards. And I was like, wait, it's fake? Right, right. <laughs> this is a lie. Yeah, well, I, I think you had an experience that a lot of people had of, of it being sort of deflated when they found that out, where I'm pretty sure that I went into it knowing that it wasn't real, but that there was this discussion about whether it was or not. But like it was clear to me from stuff I'd heard, like that it, it had already been pointed out that it wasn't. So I didn't have that sort of, um, I don't know what to even call it disappointment i don't know if, what whatever you had mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> disillusionment yeah disillusionment is a good word um so beyond what we've already said what was your take on it at the time or the first time you saw it at least yeah i've yeah i thought it was uh, the real not real i guess i thought it was real but i think by the time i saw it i knew it wasn't um and yeah i remember thinking that it was kind of boring i think i barely I don't think I paid a lot of very close attention the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. But then by the end it was I was like this is scary and weird. And and being very taken by the ending as like whoa, that was it. And <laughs> but not in a negative way, just in a like holy shit, what a weird way to right. end yeah. that. Uh that was what I remember the most about seeing it the first time. Yeah, I think that ending shot really sticks with the viewer cuz that and the uh, iconic scene that everyone parodies is the, are like the only two that I remember yeah. um, seeing. And for the most part, yeah, I remember people hyping this movie up and, and talking about how scary it is. And um, like some of my friends were talking about how it's like a real story that they found these tapes in like buried under some rocks or something like that. And and so I watched it and I expected to be really frightened, but most of it was just them walking around in the woods. And, and mm -hmm. I was like, this is what everyone's afraid of. Right, right. I think that despite all the hype going into it and all the buildup before it came out, because it was huge. I, you guys are maybe a little too young to remember it even. And But I, I, as I've talked about multiple times in this series, I was in college and I was at film school. 
And so there was a lot of excitement from the people around me about this movie. And I was just a little more plugged into culture than I would assume you, you two were at the time. And it was just inescapable, you know, talk about this movie in certain venues, I think. And despite all that and the expectations game that we talk about so much on this podcast, sometimes I still enjoyed it quite a bit when I finally did see it. And I thought it was pretty clever and entertaining. And I was pretty impressed with how it leaned into its low budget and lo-fi elements and really took a very little and went a long way with it. They get a lot of bang for their buck, both in terms of the uh, actual money the, right. and, and just <laughs> right. the, the resources and the use of storytelling and craft, I mm -hmm. think. It, didn't it um, win like the the award for the least amount of money spent for as as much money that they got back or something like that. Cause they only spent yeah. like 60,000 and yeah. they made like close to 250 million. Yeah. yeah. I think something has since then replaced it, but for a long time it, it was the, yeah. the One of the, the more profitable movies ever made. Yeah. It was yeah. like the yeah. biggest ratio, like budget to gross ratio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a question since you were in film school, did anybody try to copy the style or like try to make something um, low budget, but with high quality entertainment, I guess, <laughs> I mean, as, as this movie? I can't remember any specific examples, but I'm sure it happened. It had to have. Thinking back on it, though, like I'm trying to kind of place this movie contextually then. And while like the found footage thing wasn't such a big deal, this isn't the first one to do that, of course, but right. it really did popularize it. The idea of like a m fake documentary or I think what was generally then called a mockumentary mm. was out there, especially with like Christopher Guest movies. Right. And I remember people doing those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought about this before, but it, the kind of uh, connection between a movie like this and those sorts of movies where none of those are like really depending on some obscuring of reality and artificiality or something. But I think people were kind of primed for a thing like this. I, is, mm -hmm. right. I guess what I'm saying. The other thing I was reminded of in reading the the trivia for it was was the viral campaign yeah. and that the first real use of that stuff and how they kind of fell ass backwards into it a, a little bit because they filmed all this stuff, all these interviews and sequences involving them finding the footage for the movie and then cut it out of the movie, but used it as marketing material. Right. And that yeah, it was really effective and, you know, I guess, you know, internet hadn't been used so frequently in that way to just like, hey, here's a website where you can go and read up on this, mm -hmm. read up in quotations, like it's a real thing, you know, <laughs> and like do your research on it. And uh, so it was easy to kind of fake it and make it seem uh, true for those reasons also. Yeah. I wonder if in some small way it affected culture negatively in terms of just like obscuring that line, though. That, that'd that be something I'd be interested in seeing a study about or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because there were a lot of people who felt really bummed out when they found out it wasn't real, which to me is kind of weird when you think about it. Because isn't it nice to find out those people aren't dead or missing? <laughs> right. <laughs> but Well, it speaks to that bloodlust. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was telling you about, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit because uh, 
reading John Waters' book and how he speaks about his his fascination with violence and serial killers and stuff like that. And a lot of people have that kind of fascination. Sure. And yeah, and it's not really much concern with victims or sensitivity. It's more just a kind of m- morbid fascination, curiosity. And so, yeah, then to find out that someone just made it all up is kind of like, well, you kind of fucked with the part that we were interested in, yeah. <laughs> right. which was that it was true. Well, right. you know, the flip side of that in a way is maybe just that people don't like to be duped and people don't want to feel as if um, someone has gotten one over on them. And I think that that is a valid thing to want, (laughs) right? you know? Um, And, and like, it's, it's a noble thing to just kind of feel like, Hey, I want, I want truthfulness in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that we could use more of, especially today, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a different landscape. Yeah, totally. But but I do wonder how much of it could be traced back to this movie and things Mm -hmm. happening at that time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, splintering of culture. It was the wild west news on the rise and (laughs) shit like that. But um, okay, wild wild west that came out this year. Didn't (laughs) it? It did. (laughs) (laughs) What is your take on it now, and how does it hold up to you twenty years later? How influential do you think it's been, Jackie? Watching it. Now, I am more tolerant of the pacing and I understand more about the psychological elements of it rather than, you know, wanting to constantly be scared. And I do appreciate how they elevate the creepiness because, you know, it starts off very small and and then it escalates to the very end where they get to that house where i assume that guy lived right who kidnapped mm-hmm. all those children something par randall par yeah. Russell and par. then there were like all the hand the children's handprints all over the walls and, and like weird like runes and then that guy um mike was standing in the corner and then yeah, it yeah. harkens back to when they were talking about how that guy made the children stand in the corner while he killed the other one um, and then I like also how they call back to things like how Josh was the one who kicked over the stones and then he was the one who later disappeared. Um, so like maybe there was a connection to that and, and they don't really ever explain anything, you know, like who the Blair Witch is. I mean, like they have people talk about what their idea is, but we never know in like concrete history right. of who she is. And I think that helps add to you know the mystery and 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 why it's so scary it's because you don't know much about her Mm -hmm. yeah i I agree i i still think it's a little boring and uh (laughs) like for my for my taste um it's a little too much of them bickering um but i think the dialogue which i suppose is improvised a lot of it is really if like sounds real yeah. in a yeah. way that people try to make it sound real and ends up sounding fake. Right. Uh, but it, that I really appreciated. I also really appreciated the motivation for her to be filming everything. Cause I think that's another thing that movies will sometimes do is it, right. you know, it, they'll create that thing where it's like, they have to have them filming cause then it's not a movie, <laughs> but why the hell are the, is, are yeah. is she filming? And they really, were smart to incorporate that into her personality and her character in this sense that without filming, it's too much for her, the whole experience. Um, 
And then, yeah, I read a lot of the trivia uh, about making it and the way they, they, you know, kind of, it was, in, it's interesting what they came up with in, in terms of that style of improv and kind of like a Christopher Guest thing almost where they had the outline and then they let yeah. them kind of run loose and, uh, you know, weren't on, they were like away with walkie talkies sort of managing, but it was really them just kind of like playing it out. Um, that's kind of a neat way for them to go about it. And then I, yeah, I think the ending is still really effective. It's still, I sat in the dark for like the whole credits and was just like, holy shit. <laughs> it's still very scary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the stuff uh, that they don't show. And there's that part where she goes, oh my God, what the fuck is that? And I guess they had a person ready to look like the Blair Witch and the guy forgot to pan the camera over. <laughs> right. But it's just so much more effective for us not to see it and to be like, what is that? Like, what <laughs> right. are you talking about? What's yeah. going on? So it's really it's like one of those those Jaws type moments yeah. where they're like, yeah, the shark doesn't work, so we just won't show it. Right, right. right. But this was even more accidental. Yeah, no, they just really used... I think they were very smart to do the pruning that they did, mm -hmm. taking out all that expert footage quote-unquote expert footage that they shot and all that stuff and leaving it as mysterious as possible yeah i i think i think you're absolutely right the the lack of framing makes it work so much better if if this was bookended by someone saying we went and found this footage and uh, <laughs> yeah. here, here's the story behind it now here's the footage and now, and then we come back to them at the end or something and they're like so that's the footage <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just be like okay i don't buy yeah. this but um just presenting it as a reality mm -hmm. uh, makes it so much more effective and terrifying, I mm -hmm. think. But ultimately, I do think it still holds up to me. I've I've never been a real detractor of the movie. I hear all the backlash over the years, and I think I've only revisited it once between the first time I saw it in theaters and now. And it was about maybe five years, I want to say, after it had come out. And I remember sort of nobody liked the movie anymore. Mm -hmm. This was the sense I got from people around me anyway. Um, and I was just kind of curious and I watched it and I was like, I still think this holds up. It's like, it's effective. Like it's, it's like I said before, they lean into all the deficiencies that most people would have and make those strengths of the movie. And I think it works on its own in that way, regardless of the viral marketing campaign and all the cultural hype and all that stuff. Uh, but I understand that it's hard to separate that for people. And I think that that's what drags it down for most people who do see it in a negative light. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to me how much of the broad strokes of the film I still remembered so vividly, even though it's been so many years since I saw it. And to the point of it still seeming boring or something, I never really found it boring. But there were moments, especially this time watching it, where I was like, oh, Am I going to be looking at my watch soon? Is this? And then right. anytime I felt myself almost getting that little pull, mm -hmm. something would happen. I'd be right back in and mm -hmm. super engaged. And I think it is very effective in the pacing that way. Of they feel it feels like probably in the editing more than anything, they were very intuitive in knowing how far they could go down a kind of meandering path before they had to do something mm -hmm. on screen and kind of pull you back in. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go straight into the question of what if anything stands out? Because I think you guys have maybe already started to answer that. I'm going to bring up American Movie. So having now seen American Movie, 
I think it's interesting that these came out the same year and are both about people trying to make movies and ultimately without much success, at least at the time that the movie was made, both had people questioning their authenticity. And whereas Blair Witch has had backlash over the years, American movie is maybe more of a cult classic, arguably, mm-hmm. and probably because it wasn't such a huge financial and cultural smash hit, because there's always room to fall once you've hit that high level. The other thing that stood out to me was what you were talking about, Chuck, uh, the the video camera aspect and the mm. um, motivation for it to be there. And the idea of it, as they say in the movie, I believe, that it's she's using the video camera as a way to filter reality. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I mean, I obviously they say it in the movie, so I had to have heard that before, but it really hit me this time. Um, how the presence of the video camera to document everything is really the only way the movie works, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of how it's oddly similar in that way to something like the office or any comedy like that that came after mm-hmm. where it's like, why are, why is anyone shooting this? Right. You know, but right. I do think you're right in that in this movie, it makes sense because it comes from her personality. Whereas in those shows, it's like, okay, someone shot these people for like 10 years and then <laughs> what did they do right. with all that footage? So I don't know. Well, they had such an, I don't remember. And I mean, I don't think I was watching movies like this at the time, but I don't remember there being such a clear, sort of character motivation for some of these things. And the idea of Heather's character is so, and from what I read about it, they really had this concept of her. And I guess they considered her like a Captain Ahab type person who would, you know, who her, and you see it in the movie too, where it's like, she's, you know, capturing the footage, like getting to the bottom of this Blair Witch mystery is is so important to her. And then it kind of bleeds into this thing of dealing with the reality through the camera. So even that, I think it's like the working of on multiple levels where it doesn't even, it doesn't start as a filtering of reality. It like becomes that when things get dangerous and strange. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I just was really taken with how much they had thought those relationships through because I think probably the first time I saw it, uh, and my memory of it was that it was more kind of hodgepodge, right. like, you know, kind of slapdash other phrases that <laughs> <laughs> mean the same thing. Um, but they really thought about it and it was interesting. I read that they, Mike was supposed to be the one who was taken away, but she, Heather and Josh were having actual like arguments that were getting so intense that they like switched like in real life in real life yeah, yeah. um that they switched it up mm-hmm. and somehow they edited around the fact that Josh was arguing with her way more than Mike and stuff like just a lot of really interesting stuff that could have been a cool like american movie style behind the scenes thing um because that's the only thing that it, it is where it's like we didn't know it's kind of the inverse of of an american movie situation where they made a movie that we all thought was real, but you really yeah, were yeah. watching the That's movie. That's what I was trying to get right, at. Right, right. <laughs> but like Coven is not <laughs> yeah. as memorable as Blair Witch, uh, but the making of it is. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, it, it seems like it's 
I guess what I'm getting at is that it's very humorous that we didn't know anything about how they made it because how they made it is actually really interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> and like kind of more interesting than the average movie, even something like Coven. Jackie, what stood out to you on this watch? Watching this movie again, there's a lot that I didn't remember. I remember specifically, you know, the ending, the the girl talking into the camera with the snot dripping down her nose, and, <laughs> yeah. and um, and also when that when Mike was like, "I kicked the map in the in the creek," right. I'd forgotten that, about that like, completely. Like I feel like that's the only thing I only quote I can remember from that movie. Right. He's like, "I kicked the map in the creek." Mm-hmm. Uh, watching it again, I feel like I can relate to that feeling where you're like stuck with these people for a really long time, and and you get really annoyed if if um. If you're trying to get somewhere and and you're just stuck and you're like, no, let me see the map or let me see the compass. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, I totally relate to that. Um, so I was like, I guess this movie's more about their relationship to each other and them trying to get out of the situation rather than it being a horror movie about a witch trying right. to mm-hmm. kill these kids. Um, so that's that's what I thought of it this time around. Yeah, I, I think I had a similar thing because I, I think more this time than previous times because I was much younger then and I guess have more experience now uh, mathematically. Um, <laughs> I, I found myself much more judging the reality of the moment in the film against my own lived reality and being like, <laughs> is that how people really act? Have I acted like that in situations <laughs> like this? I'm like, yeah, I think I think yeah. so. I think mm-hmm. people actually get this annoyed with each other. I, I think like-, like little stupid things, like you start to really pick at and I, I found it all very real seeming yeah especially if you're hungry and tired yes. I mm-hmm. feel like it's really easy to get irritated mm-hmm. by other people and that thing where they're all trying to be the leader kind of they're yeah. all trying to like, come on let's just do this and then <laughs> yeah. we'll get a, we'll get over it you know yeah. we'll get through it no come on Mike you guys there's <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of that that was the stuff that I was like alright I don't need to see another scene of them <laughs> yeah. doing this <laughs> Yeah, especially like I I didn't used to hike, but mm-hmm. I've, I've taken up hiking in recent years. <laughs> and yeah, it can it can be frustrating when you're on a trip or a hike and you're just like, oh, man, this sucks. Right? <laughs> Anything else that stood out to you before we move on? I never realized how much you look up her nose in that shot. And then <laughs> that was always the joke. And that yeah. was the spoof in the scary movie also. Right. The scary movie spoofy movie. What was in the bundle of the... The, it's his teeth. It's his teeth. Yeah. Was it was it also his tongue? No. What was that piece of meat then? I think it was just red blood. See, I was confused on this too because at first I thought it was teeth, and I remembered as being teeth. But for some reason, this time the scale of the mm-hmm. frame or something, I was like, "There's no way those are teeth. Those are huge." Maybe it's more I worse. read it and it uh, in it is teeth. In what I read, it it's teeth and part of his hair. Okay. Oh. And it's all bloody. And yeah, so yeah. that's like the mass of red is just all the blood that's spread out over the the fabric that's his shirt or whatever. I'm with you though, Jackie, and that being unclear. Because it's like, yeah, so I didn't know like either. A, I had to read like a about bright it red chunk, and mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. And mm-hmm. I was like, is that maybe the gums or something. Because then I was like, if it's his tongue, but then you hear him later, it's oh. like, it's a, it's a fucking. Continuity. Like, no, 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 no. It's like the witch being able to mimic voices. Oh. Well, you can yell without your tongue. Ah. <laughs> but then he's like, over. Wasn't he like over? That did not here. prove anything. You have a tongue. <laughs> right, but I'm not using it. At least I don't think. 
wasn't he talking to? He's like over here or something I don't like remember that. Oh, maybe that stuff is really scary. Yeah, though. it's yeah. all that stuff of him like hearing voices and all the stuff and like the children. Children, playing, that was fucked up. Kids are so scary. <laughs> Especially at, like, why are you playing at night? <laughs> right, that's what it is. Those kids should be in bed. <laughs> oh, you know what else? Um, on the video camera thing, uh, American Beauty was also this year, and right. that's such a big part of that movie. And it, it's kind of funny to me. I think we talked about this in in the episode where we talked about American Beauty, but the fact that they latch on to that as a big element of the story, and it's the shitty version of what we now have. You know, mm. where like video has gone so far beyond that and i don't know there's just something interesting to me about the low quality representation of the world around you being something beautiful within the film i'll say that after i saw blair witch project i put on a found footage movie from like a recent one just to see and it this time you did yeah, yeah, this right. time I did to compare. And I was like, wow, this is like way, like the quality is so high def right, yeah. compared to Blair Witch Project. And and um, yeah, it's just miles different. Yeah, because any of us could go out and shoot with our phone right now and it right. would look better than this movie. Yeah. And- they were really primed for it. And I remember seeing this this footage. There's behind the scenes footage on Pulp Fiction where a guy's shooting with like a DV camera or, or at the time it was just like a video camera. And Bruce Willis is like, you know, someone's going to take one of those and go and make their movie for like six. And he even says like $60,000 or something and make a million fucking dollars or something like, like he calls it. And it was, I think it, it was just something that people were conscious of that anybody could film anything. Right. And that was new. That even in the days of, you know, larger, bulkier videotape cameras yeah. or Super 8 or anything like that, it was never so easy. And right. I, I remember in film school, one of my professors was like, Adam, and he's like, this cell phone, one day people are going to make movies with this cell phone. It's the future, you guys. And now look at like, um, what's that Sean Baker movie? T- Tangerine. Tangerine. Yeah. yeah. Unsane. Unsane. Yeah. There you go. The genius. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they were just ready. I mean, yeah. it seemed it was it was it was on the tip of everyone's tongue. We just gave it a name. <laughs> Is this sort of the first movie to really be successful using essentially home video? as the format. I mean, it's not just that, because of right. course they switch between that and 16 millimeter. But it, it, I mean, it's supposed to look amateurish. Right. You know? And it does. I was taken with that this time too, the the number of shots that are just grainy black. Right. And you just listen to whatever you're... Yeah, yeah. That was, that was kind of new. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, I feel like this was the first, at least to break into the mainstream. Yeah. Because I'm sure... There are a bunch of people who made movies with their DV cameras, but... Yeah, I mean, I was doing that in high school. Not even DV, like compact VHS, you know? Yeah, I was, that, or super, super... In the 90s, no, that's what eight? you did. And, and then you tried what? to go to film school, and they're like, uh, you, you need to shoot on film. And you're like, why? There's digital videos coming up. Like, why do <laughs> we need eight, to do this? Eight, that's it. That's what I was looking at. High yeah. Eight. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like this is the one that that was actually in theaters and things right, like that. Right, right. The funny thing, yep. too, is that I like looked back and I was like, this concept isn't new. And <laughs> it's funny that people were so taken in by it because both Texas Chainsaw and Cannibal Holocaust 
maybe lesser known. Right. Well, I think that's <laughs> the like, point. There. Yeah, is the exact, uh, but it's like the exact same thing. It's like people went into the jungle and never came back. Right. And then <laughs> well, I never heard back. about Cannibal Holocaust before this movie. Mm. And then I started hearing people talk about that. Right. And, and, uh, prompted by this movie. Right. Uh, but sorry, which, there's one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres? The first one. The first one? They tried to, they, promoted it like it was a true story oh, not so they? much that it was found footage but that it okay, was gotcha. but that it was like these kids went and disappeared and this is what happened uh and that concept of like kids going and disappearing is yeah. very right. horror you know friendly sure but if i'm understanding what everybody's saying to the, to this point we all still think this is a, a good movie right yes yeah. so and we know it's not real how much do you think your enjoyment of the movie after knowing it's it's not real is because you yourself work in film and television and video and you can sort of relate to the problems of making a movie and the craft of making a movie and take those elements into account as opposed to like if you were just an average moviegoer who had no experience with these sorts of things, would you do you think you'd feel more duped and less into it? I would maybe amend my answer and say that I think that 50% of it is enjoyable. Oh. And I do think that, because <laughs> not, but it doesn't make me say that it's a bad movie. I just don't have a, like, I can't watch the first half a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's slow and, and it does affect it that it's not true. It's just like, all right, we get it. Uh, and, and I can't handle them arguing and bickering. Uh, <laughs> But the scary stuff is so good and so well done that I that it puts it into that category of being a good movie for me. Okay. And Jackie, how about you with the uh, having a background in production? How much does does that affect your ability to enjoy the movie despite it not being real? I find myself watching movies and being a little bit more forgiving because I know how hard it can be to make a film and how much work goes into it. So I, I try to find good things about movies when I watch them and not, you know, inherently want to be like, this sucks. Mm. Uh, that said, with this movie, I feel like even if I didn't know much about film production, that I would still enjoy this movie. Um, I feel like there are a lot of things that people can relate to. And there are a lot of things that, that, it, that are like legitimately terrifying. Mm -hmm. I think the, but like, like Chuck said, the fact that some of the, some of it can be repetitive, that, that might make people feel bored. And I think what, if they thought it was real, that people be more accepting of that. Cause you know, it, it, you're like, well, this is how it is in real life. Like people are just like, are like this constantly. So it makes sense that it's always in there. But then if you're looking at it from a filmmaking perspective, like they could have like edited more around it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So have the people involved in the film been successful since then? And we'll talk about the two directors and the three main cast. I know that just the main cast, they, they've only done like mostly TV, yeah. like really mm -hmm. like unknown films well yeah I, I mean looking at their resumes at least on imdb and stuff like that it seems like 
this may have been at least a highlight, if not the highlight of right. most of those five people's careers. That's not to say that they've had bad careers at all. Right. Uh, they, it seems like those three actors are pretty much working actors or have been over the years. Um, and it seems like Eduardo Sanchez has done a lot of, of uh, work, especially in TV. Um, Merrick, I think, has done less, but I don't know. Maybe that's his choice. Maybe mm. he, he's, he's cool with that. I read that Heather Donahue had some trouble getting work because she was so associated with this movie. Really? Um, people had a hard time separating her from it. And then she retired and grows marijuana now. Good for her. Oh, cool. <laughs> where at? Probably California or some some place where it's legal. Right. But yeah, she retired from acting. Well, that's good. The, you know. Did she? I thought I that's what I read. And maybe she. Uh, I read it on Wikipedia. So it I could saw be that she was on an episode of Always Sunny, and I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. In two thousand five, though. So she, <laughs> the last thing that she did that came out, at least according to IMDb, was something called The Morgue, which went mm -hmm. to video in two thousand eight. Oh, well. there you go. The last high-profile thing on here is it's always sunny in Philadelphia in 2005, mm -hmm. and before that, it looked like she did some episodic TV work here and there. And uh, yeah, well, so it sounds like her. you're right, Chuck. That's just what I read on Wikipedia was that she had uh, retired and now grows pot. Yeah. Um, so, do you think the movie will continue to stand the test of time, or if you don't think it has until now? Do you think it might find an audience again in the future? I feel like this movie will always be talked about, or at least someone be like, oh yeah, like I hear people reference this movie all the time, but I don't know what it is. Let me go watch that. Mm -hmm. But that said, I feel like other movies since then have gained more notoriety. Like I feel like people credit the found footage thing to to paranormal activity more than than hmm. Blair Witch Project. I know that people talk about that more and how it influenced other horror movies since then. So I thought that was like, you know, I was like, what about the Blair Witch Project? How can you forget that? That's so weird to me too because I don't think of paranormal activity as a found footage movie because right. it's like security cameras. What's so what's the, the word? Just like I um, mean it is. I I saw it listed as like an example of mm. The found footage phenomenon, but to me, it's like they, this footage wasn't lost. They right. fucking recorded it and then looked looked at it again. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. this is the whole concept of this is that you know it's something we didn't know about, and then suddenly it's like, hey, what's this? Right. Holy shit! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so that that was always weird to me that those two are so interconnected. Right. But and then when did Cloverfield come out? Did it come out mm, after yeah. Paranormal Activity? Well, I don't know about after Paranormal. But I also saw saw that it listed as like yeah, owing like its part of its legacy to Blair Witch or whatever. I'm looking that up. So Paranormal Activity was 2007. Cloverfield was 2008. Uh -huh. The Last Exorcism, 2010. I never saw that. I didn't see that. Troll Hunter. That's a found footage movie. Oh wait, wasn't that like a a mockumentary, like a funny thing? Probably about someone. I mean, it's called Troll Hunter. Yeah, well, sounds fun. Chronicle. <laughs> 2012. I never saw that. Oh, yeah. That oh. was good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Max Landis is in deep uh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a Max Landis movie? Yeah, he <laughs> wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, like I said, some people already think it doesn't stand the test of time. I think that's unfortunate, but it's the way it is, I guess. I don't know how much I'm overestimating that, how much that is like people that I know just are like, 
I, cause I, I brought up, I, you know, out in the world, I'll talk to my friends about like, we're doing this series of, of, uh, on different movies and it's interesting to get their take or reaction to like the movies that we're covering. Everybody understands that you're covering American beauty, even if they like it or don't like it. Um, all of the movies get at, at least some positive reaction. I don't think there's been one person who was like that excited about the Blair Witch Project. And I was kind of, uh, Surprised and disappointed by that, because I think that they're underestimating the power of the film even 20 years later. And I I do worry that it will be forgotten about over time. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's uh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, it inspired so much, if not copycats. Or, yeah. But also like parodies. And I haven't like watched that. most mm -hmm. of those, honestly. So I don't know how much of, of it for me is that I don't have that dilution of it. Uh through it, seeing the thing copied over and over and having to compare it to those, you know, if that makes sense. And is that, is, is the pair, is that what paranormal activity is like what you're referring to when you talk about like being co copied or there's another one that's more on the nose? I meant more like the style, copying the style. Okay. Yeah. Just like super low, like hand, low handheld, right. like, mm -hmm. oh, we're, we're, we're mm -hmm. running around. Right, right. I think for the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, the, I uh, like I said, I haven't watched a lot of those. The one that I've seen that maybe comes the closest in terms of that is Cloverfield, right? Because that one is definitely like, but that one, it, that I don't think they, budget. I don't think they, they uh, <laughs> sell it as well because I don't understand watching that movie. Why, why T.J. Miller <laughs> is just fucking pointing a camera at everything, right? Like right. it makes much more sense in this movie, like Chuck was right. describing earlier. I think to me, like what makes this movie hard for people to still be on board with is they can't separate it from that viral marketing campaign and that influence it's had over the years. Mm -hmm. And they just see it as sort of like this weird novelty from 1999 that they mm -hmm. don't want to go back to. It seems like it's ripe for resurgence because of that. Yeah. Like it's, it's ripe for people to go back and be like, Hey, this isn't as bad as I remember it being. I also realize I'm watching a little bit more horror stuff now and getting, you know, kind of uh, shading in that blind spot. I don't know if that's the term, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> and uh, realizing kind of the differences in what I like. And this is really my kind of thing. Like, I like witches mm -hmm. and spooky shit. And I think it depends on what kind of horror movie you're into. Because if sure. you're more of a... If you're more about gore or something like that, then yeah, this isn't going to be your thing. And so it really depends on what your genre, what your subgenre of horror is, if sure. you're going to be down or not. I wonder how much they also maybe shot, and by they, I'm not even sure who I'm referring to, but I wonder how much they shot themselves in the foot by making a sequel to this movie and right. then some sort of a remake a, a few years back. How involved were the original peeps in the second one? I know the director The director worked on the 1999, not 90, was it uh, 2000? 2000. I Book yeah. of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Yeah. yeah, which weirdly is directed by Joe Berlinger, well known for making actual documentaries. And this really? is not a documentary oh. or a fake documentary. Right, right. Um, like that that was the, the sequel was not the same concept, right? It was like an actual fiction film, not a fiction right. film pretending to be 
a real documentary, yeah. right? Yeah, it was I never, I never saw it either. I have no interest. But in it's about the kid. It's like these kids it. going, and you saw it. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching it, but like a long time ago, so I don't really remember much. I just remember being like, "Oh, this is more, much more exciting than the first <laughs> one," because there's like more stuff happens. I just remember the trailer, and they had this like goth woman being like, "You want to know about the Blair Witch <laughs> or right. something like that?" And I was like, "This is hokey." Yeah, according <laughs> according to Wikipedia. Uh, about Book of Shadows, Blur Witch 2. Stylistically different from the first film, the plot revolves around a group of people fascinated by the mythology surrounding the Blur Witch Project film. They go into the Black Hills where the original film was shot and experience supernatural phenomena and psychological unraveling. So, I mean, it sounds like it could have been interesting, like this meta (laughs) sort of thing about this meta movie. I don't know. Probably I think laying it, was, it on a little too thick. Yeah, and it was, I, think I think it was that's... all just a money like cash in. Sure. Yeah, kind of and it was probably also a little too close. Like it came out the next year. Well, I yeah, think th- I think we were already in like backlash mode at that right. point. People were like, oh, that, that wasn't real. Things. Fuck you. I'm not gonna go I, see this. I right. think they also gave more of a backstory on the Blair Witch Project in that movie. They're, I right, think that's right, where yeah. they revealed like, oh, this is where we found the tapes. Right. You right. I don't need to I didn't know see it. <laughs> and then I couldn't I'm even tell you to watch it now, actually. What The Blair Witch is. Yeah, what yeah, was that? I want to know what, that, see what is. that one is. Um, I came and went. It's all about Blair from the facts of life. Okay, so <laughs> again from Wikipedia, here is the description of the 2016 Blair Witch movie, just called Blair Witch. The film, shot in a found footage style, follows a group of college students and their local guides who venture into the Black Hills Forest in Maryland to uncover the mystery surrounding the prior disappearance of Heather Donahue, the sister of one of the characters. Ah. So oh, it's shit. a sister. Um, it's a classic yeah. trope of the horror yeah. films. The sister. And also bent. Die Hard. I like yes. <laughs> Bent on Vengeance. I, I would have watched this movie if it was Jeremy Irons. <laughs> right. It's not. Maybe it is. I assume it's I not. I liked Adam Wingard's movie, The Guest. So I'm wondering if it's. Ends. Oh, it's him. Yeah. I was like, oh, Adam Wingard. Yeah. Whatever. It's just a name, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back on track. So what are your favorite scenes or elements? And I know we've kind of already talked about quite a few things here. Uh, so give me your. Two I'll, or three top ones. I'll add, because I feel like I've said the others. Yes, which I will hit on the head again, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I like the um the iconic what are they what would you call them? Wood dolls? Like the that those oh, yeah. those people Stick that figures. they made out of sticks. Stick, Stick people. Yeah. I thought that part was uh especially creepy. Just like someone made all these and hung them from the trees to like freak them out. And you know, the, all the weird shit, like them walking for 16 hours and then coming upon the same spot that they started at. That's kind of crazy. So that means it's like somebody's fucking with the compass, like mm-hmm. the magnetic mm. fields. So it's like oh, I super, didn't even pick up on it. I just thought natural. they were really inept. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that they were being. That's a good. That's. I should rewatch it with that. <laughs> <laughs> that there's like because like you know with supernatural things they they say that it it can also affect the environment right, and right. and and um and that so using that is is was also creepy and just like go going harkening back to uh, that guy who fucking killed all those kids. Rustin Parr. Rustin Parr. That's his name. Yeah, that was creepy too. So 
You really um, like that name, don't you? I like that they invented this dude because uh, you can find that that website is still up. So you really? can go and look and like they still have his like bio and this weird creepy picture so of him. So who is he? I mean, they just made him up. Yeah, like, but like, what what was his role in society? Just like this he was crazy like a, guy. Yeah, he He's kill- like president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a normal dude, and the Blair Witch told him to kill these kids, and so he did, as anyone would, <laughs> if the Blair Witch told them to, and. uh yeah, but he's yeah, he's creepy and weird. And I like the idea too with that house that they don't show talking about the frame the lack of framing device. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to think that that house just like appears. Right. You know, that it's not a place that, you know, sheriff's deputies can go and be like, "We found some film." You know, <laughs> like but that it's this weird uh thing that only shows up when they're ready to get you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wait, is that a thing? Well, that's what I assume. Oh, because okay. I mean, it's it's, it's not as much fun when it's just like the daytime and it's some broken down house. Right, right, right. right. But it's it's when it's this thing that you can only kind of stumble upon if they want you to. Yeah, and then you go in there and they throw you know voices around and that's freak so you out creepy. and then kill you. I hadn't thought of it. And like then that. like you hear Heather on uh, Mike's camera just like shrieking yes. throughout the entire. That was really house. effective too, where yeah. they use the audio from the video camera to sync with the 16 millimeter right that and was another cool way they yeah did. i that that was one of the things that both when i saw it the first time and when i saw it now i, I was just so enamored of of, of that kind of creative use of space that they mm-hmm. have there of because remind me what it is it's that uh the he's Mike is carrying the 16 right we're seeing the 16 millimeter footage and we're hearing the audio from the video camera, right? Yeah. But the video cameras hit the ground at this point. They're cutting back and forth between both of them when they're running around the right, house. Right, 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 right. No, I'm sorry. Heather has the 16 Heather millimeter. Heather has 16 millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. But you they're right, cutting right, back they're and forth. Yeah. And so so we're we're in her POV running with the 16 millimeter. Right, but right. But uh, we have already seen uh, Mike with the, with the video camera mm-hmm. kind of hit the ground. And we're hearing the audio from that. Right, right. right. And it, yeah, and you you hear Heather get closer, seemingly right. in the audio, as we are in her POV, and it's so disorienting and yeah. weird. Um, and that was one of those things that because I was like a first year film student, I was like, I get that. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, I bet most of the people didn't realize that. Right. I felt so snotty. It's scary now. I'm yeah. kind of scared now. I'm not even kidding. Like yeah, talking yeah. about going through that house. It's creepy. And seeing the handprints and everything. And they're, and my, and they're just freaking out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Josh, where are you? Like, all that is so terrifying. And nothing is happening. Yeah. Right. It's really effective. It is. <laughs> yeah, and then when you when you see him standing right, right. facing the wall after after a, apparently getting knocked out or something, right? It's so fucking creepy. Yeah, yeah. it's really scary. It's so so scary. And then but they knock her over. I I will concur. I think that the uh, the scene, the famous scene of the the half close up of her face up her mm-hmm. nose, I think is still super effective. And there's a reason that it's maybe the most iconic shot yeah. in the movie and one of the more iconic shots of uh, the last couple of decades, yeah. really. Um, one other thing I wanted to shout out is in the stuff at the beginning where they're talking to the people in town, uh, the woman on the street with the toddler, 
Yeah. That was the most real seeming of all those interviews to me. I was just like so enamored of that. Right. I was like, how did they get this to seem so real? Because those are all actors. Yeah. Right. I guess just having that kid in there right. fucking with her as she's trying to talk <laughs> right, makes right, it right. seem much more immediate and real or something. She's but, like, yeah. stop talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she seems so scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I, I really like that moment. Yeah, they're all they got some great locals yeah. to be the locals. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts? No, I think it's worth a rewatch. If you're into it. Okay. That's my final thought. I feel like this movie is iconic and influential to cinematic history. That's weird that your friends didn't think, like, why would you talk about Blair Witch? That's super anecdotal. So, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how much to glean from that, but. Um, But, yeah, I hope that people will watch this movie just to see how it influenced other found footage films today because I know they're still making them and because they're so cheap to do and and I don't think they'll ever stop I feel like it'll just continue on being its own I mean why should they it's the same thing as like reality TV it's cheap and if you do it right and hit it's such a big payoff yeah and crazy it's so much easier now than before with you know with cell phones and and just digital media in general yeah. So I feel like they'll just keep going. Right. And I think to me, even if the movie sort of is forgotten about over time, which again, I'm basing that on super anecdotal evidence. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually the case, but you can't help but be influenced by the people around you and mm-hmm. their opinions and whatever. But to me, I I think this might become a movie I just want to go back to every so often because it's inspiring to me in a way that you can just look at it and be like, they did so much with so very little and it, it, it can, if, if you're ever like in a rut creatively or something right. and you just want to sort of be like, look at what they did. You know, you, I think, I think it could be something good to shake you out of it. If, if you're ever in need of that, you know what I mean? For sure. Um, all right. Well, thank you both. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents, and thank you to our guest, Jacqueline Solar. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah Lee McVeigh. If you like what you hear in this show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience, and it is much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and again, it is truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at stereoactivemedia at gmail.com. And you can find more information about this show and everything else the Stereoactive Media is involved with at stereoactivemedia.com. Podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.